Hey everyone, and welcome back to a Paradise Lost broadcasting channel. Podcasting channel. We're not broadcasting anything live. <laughs> We're not. Get, we haven't gotten that savvy yet. Uh, my name is Julia. With me is the ever lovely Christina and our wonderful main GM so far, Brendan. And uh, due to LARP issues and general pain and oh, other... what, what, what's not, what's not, what's not sugarcoated. The, the 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 mage game hasn't actually been run since September, and our <laughs> first. Hey, I've already talked about this on Let the Good Dice Roll. Uh, the next session of Mage gets run in February. So we uh we, we we all sat down and we're like, well, we need content because we like you guys, and, and for I some reason you like listening to us. And I didn't I'm want okay to. I'm okay with them liking listening to us, I right? Mean, <laughs> it still trips me out. Like, okay. Oh, I've gotten so used to listening to my own voice; it's weird. I actually enjoy doing the editing at this point. You're a fucking psychopath. I'm a narcissist at this point. I've developed narcissism from listening to my own voice. Whereas I still hate hearing my own voice. Maybe that's just why I don't want to do the notes right now and they're holding off on it. Hey, at least you don't do notes on uh, Let the Good Dice Roll. It's just you and me at that point. Look, as a child, I was recorded a lot. I got very used to listening to my voice, and I still fucking hate it. But that's completely beside the point. We invite you all to this... Uh, kind of bonus episode. I, um, I guess you could call it a bonus episode. I'd say it's more like filler and, uh... Okay, so yeah, we've hit that point in the mon- in the anime where, like, the manga hasn't caught up and we've got to do a filler episode where we're going to teach Brendan how to drive a car. Basically. <laughs> oh, I was going to reference the Sasuke retrieval arc and this was going to go on for another, like, hundred episodes of filler. I don't have that in me. I love you, but I don't. So, uh, like we did with the uh, with Werewolf, we Brendan. Uh, I really wanted to kind of like pick his brain um, about jamming and you know, kind of do a behind the scenes of his mage game since we've concluded the first season. Yeah, we concluded the, the we we got to mid season. Alrighty. Yeah, um, I would say that we're at the mid-season. Actually, uh, a, a little bit more like pulling the curtain back. The reason the game stopped is because we had we had a sudden drop in players due to people moving and health, uh, issues. health issues and a bunch of other stuff. Schedule changes. So that's why we started up Iron Kingdoms, because I thought we were only going to have Maury, Britt, and Christina to play. And the group is literally going into the mid-season boss fight. I didn't want to... With not really combative characters. Yeah, combative yeah. Characters. With, so, with almost no combative characters. So for the same reason that we stopped... That I stopped running Werewolf uh, is the same reason that I dropped out of Mage. Is that's because of health issues. Um, but we're back and we're ready to do this. And mm-hmm. I know that Brendan has been like bubbly with excitement. Uh, about this, so I know a lot of the players have been like, "Heck yeah!" So, oh I, yeah, everybody seems to be super excited for this to come back. Yeah, Mage was great, and that's why I really wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of like talk about it, I guess, okay. because you never really get to gush about your Mage game. <laughs> also, we tried to do a bonus episode of Mage, and it ended up being not great, yeah. so we kind of deleted that. So, this is my first <laughs> real foray into the. Let's talk about what what I do. Instead of Exalted. Instead of Exalted. Instead of just talking about Exalted. So, Brendan, I 
this has been something that I wonder because, you know, I'm I'm a GM. G- Christina's about to become an amazing GM. I'm really excited for her game. But what inspired you to run specifically this game? I know that you love Mage, and I want to get into that later. But why... What, what you mean is he loves to, you know, GM, DM, whatever you want to use for it, and he loves World of Darkness and Exalted, which is kind of... I, I I am kind of yeah no you you could say hey what inspires you to storytell this but like I am literally the kind of person who's like oh you want me to run a game okay I'll run this game and I will literally hog that spot in the group until people tell me get the fuck off of the chair we want a chance okay well what inspired this particular story as a writer more than anything oh okay so. There's a couple of things that really inspired it. One is that World of Darkness is hard, one of my favorite systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love working in the same constant canon. Like, there's a lot of recurring NPCs that you've seen from some of my other games. And that actually Christina has seen from our buddy Joe's games. Uh, heard me, about just in general. Or heard about. Uh, me and him kind of made a, back in high school, made a really extensive, like, all-inclusive World of Darkness canon. So so would you say that this is the uh, Let the Good Dice Roll extended universe? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's go with that. I, I, I like that better than whatever. The other thing that really hard inspired this was, at the time that I was writing this, I was really deep into listening to the Magnus Archives. What's the Magnus Archives? The Magnus Archives is a fantastic British podcast that focuses on basically a supernatural... God, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. Uh, Kind of like archivists that, like, take statements from people uh, concerning their supernatural experience. And... It kind of starts off as this kind of just broad, like, oh, this guy found a ghost uh, that that did this, or this guy found this weird puppet that haunted him, or this guy couldn't find his way out of the forest. Like, weird supernatural experiences that over time kind of coalesced into this really enticing meta plot. Okay. Um, that has to do heavily with cultists. Okay. Um, that are worshipping, like, deities beyond the scope of human imagination and all this other stuff. But there's a lot of what I've been doing. I've been doing kind of references to it, but also kind of taking into account that in that podcast, you're literally dealing with humans dealing with the supernatural. And in this, we're dealing with... Mages. Mages dealing with the supernatural. And also the fact that mages know about werewolf, vampire, changeling, um, demon to a lesser extent, society. And kind of like fixing it up to kind of work with you all. But also giving you all that, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that mystery box of what the fuck is really going on. Um, I know that I hinted at... A lot of stuff during your mini-session. Since you couldn't make it to the first... Uh, since Was you that the stuff it. with, like, the dream and the, the lighthouse? And- the, the dream and the lighthouse is, is huge into that. But also, like, the uh, 
the, the the murder scenes you came upon, the hinting at the werewolves being a being a thing. Uh yeah, you remember that first session where that you were going around with Officer Brian? Vaguely, yes. Uh, it might be a little more fresh in my head because I've been going over and listening to them for the notes and stuff like that. Yeah, that's something I need to get better about is actually listening to the episodes afterwards. I just, I've been really into listening to my book, which is part of the problem. So um, I would really appreciate it if you did finish up that last three episodes I think I mean, okay. it was basically you guys went to crime scenes and there was bodies with just bones yeah and, and I kept like, I basically referenced the uh, tooth fairies from Hellboy 2 yeah that was kind of the scenario of it it's like I didn't want to outright say that during my session because it would have been too on the nose no no if it's if it's on the nose and if it helps give uh, people who are listening who get the reference a visual metaphor. It, it makes me um, think of the Hellboy Pixies plus, like, the Cornish Pixies from Harry Potter because they also went after people, too. They yeah, that's as fair. bitey, but... Yeah. I mean, they kind of were, but... but... Yeah, no, like, I... I really heavily got inspired by that and then kind of put it in with uh, the, I guess, let the good dice roll... Uh, the let the good dice cannon... For World of Darkness. The Pair of Dice Lost. The Pair of Dice Lost canon. Extended Universe. The Pair of Dice Lost Extended Universe, yes. We're just establishing that now. <laughs> that's a thing. I guess that's what's going on now. Because I've always, I've always thought that Werewolf was in the same, like, universe. So that means you guys, it, ha- that means you guys have the uh, World of Darkness canon. I, I will have the D&D canon, I guess. That it, sounds fantastic it, to me. It totally is. Um, I mean, you don't reference a whole lot of stuff from my game, but you do... Yet. Yet, but you do also have um, Aldenai there, who was part of uh, my original Vegas game that I mm-hmm. ran so many years ago. So, here's another question for you. Why? So, real quick, do you want to go into the broader, or do you want to get specific, or do you want to start broad and get specific? Let's go broad and then get specific. That's a little bit easier. Why World of Darkness? <clears throat> um, for this specific game... So, why World of Darkness? That's pretty easy for me. I really enjoy that system. And the the setting is very familiar to anyone who's not... Uh, it's basically the exact opposite problem that some people have with Exalted. Exalted is so big and vast foreign. and foreign to people that uh, I, I found... have never heard of it or played it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, if you've never heard of it or played it, it... it it becomes hard to keep track of the names. I actually feel like when we were running Exalted, I ran into that problem with Brit, where that she had no idea what was going on. I was just throwing names at her. Whereas now I can just be like, oh yeah, the group, we're in the world. We're in the world that you know. Mm-hmm. The laws of physics work the way that you know. The There are cars that you know. There are bands that you know. Here, we can make references to things that have happened in real life, and so on and so forth. It's a very easy world to get immersed in um but it's i feel like it's hard to make sure that it's diverged away from where our current world is but also still dark but not hopelessly dark so it kind of has that same drawn appeal that supernatural has yes yes that is exactly the drawn appeal that i feel that World of Darkness has, minus a lot of the camp, but then again, I also tend to run very campy games. I mean, so. we, do, we both do. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the having the levity of, CAT! Pudding. 
Is that what happens in that episode? No. I was referencing that supernatural uh, gift that always happens when that uh, when that Dean just sees the cat and just yells "cat." I was thinking of when Dean drops his pants and to play dumb and just cries out "pudding." I don't remember that at all. It's my favorite thing to reference. That and fight the fairies. Fight the fairies is great. So, okay, so why mage? So, mage is hard. My favorite, uh, my favorite World of Darkness game. Um, I bought this book when I was a junior in high school, and I read it cover to cover multiple times like throughout classes and I just kind of absorbed everything and through the, osmosis. Yeah, not through osmosis. I was actually reading one of the few times that I was awake in class. Okay. Um, you had something interesting that you were inspired to look at versus, you know, class, I guess. Exactly. Um it has a very interesting magic system that uh depending on your uh, tradition, mm-hmm. makes it so that your actual real-world knowledge can really benefit you. Like, if you're playing a forces mage, and God help you if you're a physics major, like, suddenly you are a god in that game. So it goes against my usual rule, which is just because science doesn't equal result. Um, so... Science if can equal result. Science can equal result, and it can... It can be used to make the game more... I don't want to say more interesting, but it can be used to... Make it more believable. Make it more believable. Um, But at the same time, you've also got more esoteric traditions that do not necessarily go by those same rules and can still have the same result. It's just a... uh, Mage is a game about belief and... um, Overall, I feel like one of the core themes of Mage is belief in yourself and belief in bettering yourself okay that's the whole uh no no one's gotten to it yet but that's the whole point of a seeking which is the uh the role play experience that i have to give someone whenever that they uh up their erite it's not just a oh i purchased dot four and this it's like no you purchased it and now go on a magical fucking quest of like enlightenment and you go on a magic carpet ride Yes, you go on a magic carpet ride. Well, you're going and basically expanding your magical knowledge and what your capabilities are with it. Right. Okay. It's a it's a very uh, I feel like that especially a lot of World of Darkness games, specifically Mage and to a lesser extent Vampire, uh, not in the same vein, but kind of that are personal stories mm-hmm. of. Uh, growth or what you're willing to do to survive, uh, referencing either mage or vampire in that case. Okay. So, it had, like, a really profound impact on you, and it's... I know that you had a small experience. Like, you didn't have a lot of experience with D&D as a kid. But I remember that you... I had a tiny amount of experience uh, when I was, like, in elementary school... Um, a friend of mine got me into playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. which is for a eight-year-old uh, a little bit hard to crack. Yeah, would you say it's a little a too advanced? I would say it's a little bit too advanced. Um, Thacko is a very was a very weird concept to me until uh, very recently. I had no idea how the fuck it worked. 
Um, but I do recall having little modules and everything that had rules in it. I recall running them literally for my brother and my cousin on long road trips from Pennsylvania down to North Carolina. Okay, so... Um, Dungeons and Dragons has never really been my thing. It never gripped you like Mage did. It never gripped me the way that World of Darkness did. Okay. So, why Massachusetts? That was kind of the player's decision, really. Because I remember he asked us, well, where do you guys want to play? And I I think it was Maury who suggested it. I might be misremembering. But somebody's just like, why not the fuck Salem? Because it, it's funny, you know. I feel like that it was Maury. I think that it was also partially Julia suggesting it. I, I mean, I have my reasons for asking this. Because uh, it allows me... Uh, I'm finally free to tell a story. But I won't I won't bog this down. If you want to hear it. If you're interested in that story. Send us a message on one of our emails. And we may discuss it on a Good Dice Roll episode. Right. Yeah, because that's really your story to tell, not yeah, that, ours. That is and your story to tell. And I'm finally free to tell it. We actually tried to tell it once and you got upset about well, it. Well, <laughs> we'll cover that later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of referenced that, in Mage. At least it, the it, shop. The shop is in. referenced in Mage. So, the shop is a place that I've actually been and I had an experience there that was interesting. It definitely had an impact on my life. Yes. I can say that as someone who uh, has heard this story multiple times and still loves hearing it. So, getting back to Brendan, since, you know, this is this is your interview, what has been the hardest part so far of running this game? So, oh, jeez. Has it been managing a lot of people, or...? Managing the people has been a little bit rough. I think that one of the hardest parts right now, you said of running it, right? Of running this particular game. Of running this particular game is getting people used to my particular GM style. Okay, because a lot of us haven't rolled with you before. Because a lot of people, well, a lot of the group has rolled with me before, but that was when we were running Exalted. And... During that time, it was very, here's a story, here's some combat. And it would always be like, story, 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 combat at the yeah, end, at the end of the a, session. Yeah, it had like a, uh, a natural flow. Right. So one of the things that people would notice listening to the episodes here is that there are entire portions of two or three episodes, there are entire sessions where the combat just doesn't fucking happen. Yeah. Um... Because I'm one of those GMs who, uh, when I can, prefers to build up to combat as it being not necessarily a last resort, but it being a big, crucial turn in the story when the combat happens. Okay. Um, You don't see that a lot in the first four episodes, which is the first session, because that's me getting the group used to the system. And doing our awakenings and trying for some people figuring out their characters' personalities and how they want to play them and which took like me that. a while. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things was I feel like that sometimes people came into the came into the game expecting uh, a little bit more combat than what was given and less investigation, but I felt like I tried to preface that when I gave you guys like I had actually written up a document about basically that you guys are cult hunters. We've been and doing it for a little while. We all guys, kind of, I think the, the hard part for some people was knowing each other. 
Because, like, a couple of us worked it out where we, like, Maury and I had already worked out that, you know, we had twin souls. Maury and I talked a lot about it. So we already knew about what our characters were about and what each other's characters were about. So we sat and worked that out ahead of time. But, like, I didn't know, I knew kind of, I knew what Julia was playing in concept, but I didn't know, like, her character's personality. Same with, like, I had worked with Britt on her character, so I knew more about hers. Jake, I didn't really know what You never know a Jake. I'm going to say this right now. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've played with him, whether you've GM'd for him or not. You pretty much never know what Jake is going to play until he shows up and rolls the dice for yeah, the first Yeah, but it was very much like, I had worked with a couple people on character, so and I knew... that's because he doesn't. Because I knew, <laughs> I, like, I worked with Tony a little bit. I worked with pretty much everybody but Jake with their characters to some degree, because mm-hmm. I was systematically going through, because Maury had never played Mage. So I went through with Maury, I was like, here's this, how do you want to build it? Do you have a concept of what you want to do? And I went through with Tony, Britt, and uh, Maury all with their characters. So I knew a little bit, like in concept what they were playing. I knew Maury's more in depth because I needed to because of the way our character's dynamic is. But I knew kind of where they're at whereas most people didn't know what each other were playing and the premise of it was that we had been um, That we'd worked together for a while. Yeah, we had been working on calls. So I think it was a little hard for some people because like nobody except for Maury really knew that I was going to be playing such a high energy character because that's not what I usually play. Yeah. I think that that might have been one of the, uh, the the missteps that I made with the game was saying that the group was already uh, together. I, I think that there should have been a epi- uh, a session zero of the group uh, learning, meeting. meeting and learning about each other and like prepping for the raid or like doing like like something like just kind of figuring the out. Meet you guys walk all walk into a tavern together. Like, yeah. it's cliche because it works. Yeah. Like, just to sidestep, like, for my game, you guys don't know each other. Like, yeah. you out of character kind of know what each other are playing, but you don't know each other, and going in, that's how it's going to be. It's why I always do the introductory uh, thing with my PCs that I do in Werewolf. I also ran into that problem again with Iron Kingdoms in that everybody's already part of a mercenary crew. But... I we did discuss that a but, little more but heavily. But the majority of the group, except for, I think, Jake was here making characters and were talking to each other. So, like, you all knew what you were getting going in. Plus, that game is extraordinarily campy, so, like, there's less focus on personal plot and more focus on... Overarching world plot. Overarching uh, mercenary plot, yeah. Less... It's more group, less individual-oriented. Yeah, like, we all have kind of our own individual goals, but it's, like, a grand scheme of things. So here's a question. Would you say that World of Darkness itself lends more towards personal goals instead of group-related? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It is is absolutely a game about about a a single uh, single person uh, and how they interact with the world around them and uh, the other people that are in their... Cabal, coterie, uh, circle. What, what, their circle, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that that's one of the more interesting things that happens with World of Darkness is you tend to, in listening to games about it, you tend to get more personal plot about it. Not saying that you don't get that in D&D, but it's either it's a longer overtime thing for D&D because those uh, games tend to be longer, um, or it's 
uh, it, it tends to have like sessions that are just like, oh, we're going to focus on this character's backstory, or we're going to focus on this character's, as opposed to, in this case, where you're all grouped up in a single city, and everybody's backstory matters at all times. What would you say has been the most rewarding experience as a GM in this game so far? Most rewarding. Oh, shit. What is your most rewarding experience as a GM been so far in this game? <sighs> Fuck. Um, the most rewarding experience that I've had with this game has been everybody's reaction to, like, other characters, um, be them MB- NPCs or other... Uh, or other PCs doing stuff. I think that one of my favorite things to talk about is what happened during the last episode, which is the bus incident, <laughs> where that uh, Christina basically, uh, because she's one of the only people who has drive, um, basically hijacked—not hijacked, but uh, got hijacked, hijacked Rory. Uh, drove, drove with permission. Drove Izzy's bus with permission into a church. I drove the bus with permission. I didn't drive it into church with permission. I mean, I told. I'm pretty sure I told people. Did someone to, yell, "Take me to church"? I basically told them. They let me drive because I have two dots and drive. I think the only person who has dots and drive is Morian, and he only has one. I might be wrong on that. I think Jake might have a dot and drive, but I think I had the most in the group. And I was like, "Cool, I'll drive the bus." And we had souped. I had souped up the lights so that they would be like beacons because everything was dark. And so we get up to the church, and I'm like, we're going to surprise them. Everybody hold on and just ram the bus through the church. All I'm hearing is that Rory decided everybody needed Jesus in that group. And they were going to get it whether they wanted it or not. I wanted to surprise this cult <laughs> while they were the probably time. doing their ritual. And it worked out because, like, we busted through it. And basically there's all shadow bullshit going on. And the reinforced lights were just a beacon that we could safely be and that the shadows couldn't move in. So after Jake, like, awesome tumble rolled through the windshield... He did not tumble roll. He flying kicked through the windshield. Either way, he went through the windshield safely. Uh, I was able to stay in the bus and shoot things safely in the light. So it worked out. <laughs> Instead of you guys having to deal with the mechanics, you fu- you said, fuck the mechanics. Would that... That sounds like us, slash, things I like to do. <laughs> so here, here's my question, Brendan, like... Like watching your players develop into the to the mid season, like what has been your favorite moment for your players? Like, what have you, like? I guess Mike, I always take joy in watching my PCs grow, like right. and remembering certain moments from that. Do you do the same? I do. Um. So, for you, Julia. Uh, my favorite moment was actually during session three when that you finally got a voice and an idea for Melody, um, where that you kind of start doing the Valley Girl thing and you're really kind of L Woodsing it up around everyone, and you're even like you're Valley Girl sassing werewolves and just Valley Girl lawyer sassing Valley Girl lawyer sassing the werewolves. I really what? enjoyed. Like it's hard? Right? I really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed seeing you finally kind of come into the character, especially since you only got three out of the four sessions. For Christina, I really enjoyed her insistence on going lone wolf on a lot of things. 
is specifically uh, trying to find the prince of the... Uh, Look, nobody wanted to go with me. That's not my fault. <laughs> uh, Maury wanted to go with you, but could not because Maury had other... Uh, had other things that Maury had been asked yeah, to do. Yeah, it was one of those things that I purposely went by myself. It's like, does anybody want to come with me? No, you're going to do other things. Well, this needs to get done. I'm going to go do the thing then. I think that, um, but yeah, no, that whole scene with, uh, you, you having to deal with the street race outside of Boston and the other bullshit that was happening because of it, I think that that is probably one of my standout scenes from what we've done so far. It was so hard because I out of character knew what was going on, but Roy was kind of like, I can vaguely kind of see weird bullshit happening. I'm, and so Christina's internally going like, this is going to get bad, 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 this is going to get bad. Roy's just like, ah, there's weird shit going on over there. I'm going to go over here and do my thing. Um, I think for Maury, my favorite scene was when that Maury had to deal with his, um, his, uh, his old vampire sugar daddy. Um, when the heat, when the Elias went to use the boys room and got lost along the way. Um, and getting to introduce a major NPC from the, the good dice cannon. From, from. From the pair of dice lost cannon. Extended universe. The Pottle U. I remember when that you all were making that character, and um, I wrote down three names for Mori to pick from. I hated and two of them. None of them were good. And I, what were the names? <laughs> so the names were. You might recognize them. I probably will. Um. So the names were the one that Mori chose, which was Jacob. Who's... Yep. You're, Julia's making the same face I made when I saw the list of names. Because I recognized two of them, and I had a feeling about the third one. None of them are good. The uh, the other two were Belisarius and Absinthe. Alright. So I, I vaguely... Absinthe is Abby. Joe's old Malkavian. Okay. And... Belisarius is my first vampire character. And Jacob... Jacob is my... If I said Jacob and Artie. Yep. Yep. I'm yeah. giving my husband a very, very pointed glare right now. Like, oh, Artie showed up. And no and no one knew because he goes by the... Uh, it's already in the in the podcast, but, he get, but in Salem he goes by the, uh, the name of Mr. Brightness. Which I had to deal with. That was the dude that was at my encounter at the at the street racing. <sighs> my one and only memorable interaction with Artie was when I played Buckshot, my uh, anarchist Bruja, who killed a dragon and went back to him and like everyone's like kowtowing to him and I just was like, excuse me, I would like a raise. What? You want a raise? Yes, killing dragon, not part of Gondrakt. And I just remember Joe staring at me for a very long time. Because I I never, like, tabletopped with you guys before. Like, mm -hmm. it was literally the first time I'd ever uh, tabletopped with any of you. And he just was like, I don't know what to do. And then 30 seconds later, he knew what to do. And I did get a raise, just not the kind I thought I was. So for Brit, I think that one of my favorite things about... Uh, one of my favorite... One of my favorite things with Brit's character has literally been how protective that she is of her fucking bus. 
But if I was going to pick one uh, thing that she did, it's how upset that she was that she could never have, like, uh, during session three when that she, her and Jake constantly tried to go and get food and just got screwed over every single time. I mean, they got shot up, they couldn't get the burgers, there's so much to that. Oh, or any time that Brit just flexes her, the fact that she's famous in the local area. Yeah. Um. Watching Brit come into her characters is always a fucking treat. Considering how much she hates to make them. Yeah, like, once she gets into that character, it's, ugh. Oh, it's like fucking magic. Um, for... Jake. Uh, for Jake... Uh, I think that my favorite thing happens at the very end of the last episode that's up, which is they go to meet Tony's ghoul, or not Tony's ghoul, Tony's the ghoul. They go to meet Tony's vampire, uh, handler, his vampire, his his vampiric master, and then Jake, who's a huge comic book nerd, goes, okay, I'm gonna roll some, I'm gonna roll two dice, and if it's high... I'm going to be a huge, like, comic book fan. And if it's low, I'm not going to. And Jake literally rolls two tens on two, on two <laughs> D10s. And, like, is just, like... Fangirls it up. He's basically just fangirling about this guy. And it's it's just great to listen to. Like, Jake goes from being, like, no, 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 Tony, we can't, we can't do this. We can't, we cannot do this. This goes against my morals, too. Rolls the dice. Oh, it's that guy? Yeah, no, let's let's go do this. <laughs> um I think that my favorite thing for Tony was him pretending to be Kane from the WWF. Um yeah, that's, it, he still that's, he still owes uh, Todd and yeah, Todd. Yeah, he and still owes autographs. Todd uh, an autograph. Um and then is that everybody? Maury. You, you, are you sure just Maury? Yeah, I think that's the group. That's every. That's the current group because we have some people that are jumping in. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, have. We Taylor, don't have any, we yeah, don't have we any have memorable moments. Taylor and Ryan jumping in. Um, was that the whole group? I feel like I didn't get someone. No, no, I did. You're right. Okay, yeah. So, what do you? What would you say overall? Overall, has been. The, the one moment in this campaign that gave you the most anxiety Ooh. leading up to. Like, what was the one scene you were the most, like, nervous to run? The one scene that I was the most nervous to run was the werewolf scene where you guys went to, to the local werewolf cairn. Okay. Because I had so many NPCs there at once. It can be overwhelming. Um, that it became a little bit overwhelming. I can kind of uh, switch between the the tradition leaders fairly easily because they all have weird ways of talking, mm-hmm. um, or like you. They're need, distinct. They have very distinct ways of talking. Whereas the werewolves are like, oh, this guy has a Russian accent. This guy has a German accent. This girl has a Italian accent. This guy has a like an Irish accent. It was all just like accents, which I'm not terribly good at. You're getting better. You're getting better. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's been really great watching you improve on that because, like, I know that's something you always wanted to be better at. Mm-hmm. Um, but having to have multiple NPCs talking at once, um, 
is, is a very nerve-wracking thing, and sometimes it doesn't go over well with the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's basically just the GM talking to himself, and it doesn't Trust sound... Trust me, I understand. It, it doesn't sound well in your own head, and you're worried that... Do the people who are here even care that you've got these NPCs in front of them? And it went over as best as I could, but I do recall me just being like, I cannot do a German and a Russian accent, because then the Russian accent turns into a German accent. It's Because okay. the German accent is much easier to do than a Russian accent. So, I know that you can't tell us what's coming. Um, are there any themes in this game that you've been really excited to explore? So, the theme of this game is, overall, the theme of this game is fear and overcoming it. Okay. Um, There's been a lot of hints as to what the the big bad of uh, the first season is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also hinted at other things, being the... uh, also playing playing important roles in it in in the overall story if we only get the one season then that's fine but if not then like we're gonna switch from whatever the big bad is of this season assuming you guys beat it into the next one okay so again like supernatural yes so brendan what would you say uh we kind of went over by gm style and the werewolf behind the scenes but what would you say is your writing style or your GM style, your writing style. Like what media or books draw give you inspiration? Um, well I mean we kinda already went over the media that gave me inspiration specifically for this game. Do you mind going over it again just in case? It was the Magnus Archives. Okay. And- um but as far as my GMing style, um for this particular game, I feel like that I wanted to be very heavily player-focused and get the players drawn into... Or character-focused and get the characters themselves drawn into the mysteries of the world around around them. I feel like that works the best for World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I've mentioned before, it's a very uh, personal kind of game. Mm-hmm. Other things were just kind of wanting to make sure that the group was together and that... Like, there wasn't any, like, I guess, interplayer conflict. So, if you were going to compare it to, like, a director or a TV show, what is your storytelling style? Oh, Jesus. That is... You're welcome. That is a tough fucking question, but I want to say that if I had to choose, like, a director or something else that is very close to what I do uh, with running. I would say um, normally I would say Sam Raimi because he's kind of campy as fuck. Okay. But can also get the emotions across. Uh, can you give me an example of something that he's done? Because I'm, uh, I'm blanking. The the original Spider-Man trilogy, um, Evil Dead, uh, okay. Army of Darkness. I would say Sam Raimi is probably the... Like, I tend to have... I, I tend to put the goofy in there with the scary to kind of have some levity. You kind of draw some inspiration from him as a director. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's this big bad cult leader who's, like, fucking with this group of people. But he's got a clown book. 
Yeah, he has a, he has a clan book that he's controlling everyone with. That makes more sense. Yeah, it, it it's a little campy, but it's also like just kind of kind of weird. Okay, so so I do Sam Raimi's World of Darkness. Okay, whereas I do Michael Bay's Werewolf. Yeah. Explosions! You gotta swoop low with that telephoto. <laughs> so, god damn it! Uh, <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I don't know why that's so funny to me. That—that's what he's known for. From like, no, like, no. That's why I'm giggling. I've also like, I had a brief stint in like film college, mm-hmm. but. So we're coming up to the mid-season finale. Um, what would you? What do we have to look forward to? Are there any like snapshots? Like next time on Mage. So, some of the things that I plan on doing for the the later half of this season of Mage is, I really want to get into depth about Maury's, about Elias's um, sugar daddy? father. No, not his sugar daddy. His actual dad. Who is a who has been hinted at as being a pharmacist who helps run the drug trade in Salem, who also has some fey blood in him. So it's your dad. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's some good inspiration there for that. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back to my notes and rewrite some of this shit. <laughs> oh boy, is that man gonna have some weird fucking stories about the eighties? <laughs> This, this joke comes along because uh, Brendan's father is actually, like, a very um, successful pharmacist, and we always make the joke that his dad is just a uh, legal drug dealer. Right. Um, there is... You all have, obviously, the meeting with Jacob and Arterili to look forward to literally next session. You say look forward to... I was about to, to say the exact same thing, Christina. You say look forward to, but I know those characters outside of game. It's not really something to look forward to. There's also been hints that uh, the things that uh, Michael has been making in the basement are not entirely mundane. Oh, you mean like there's they're no, sentient there's or no, safe? There's no hinting at that. We know you that. You have explicitly stated it, I'm sure. Like, I've been down there actively, like, I've seen the shit he's made down there. There's nothing okay about it. Um. Because Rory taught him, uh, I think it was Prime 2? Forces. Forces. Forces 1. Yeah, I taught him Forces, and, like, there's nothing okay with what's going on down there. But I don't feel like dealing with it right now. That's a later Rory problem. That's a later group problem. That's a later group problem. I hate um, all of you. We should also probably mention that Tony, unfortunately, won't be joining us for mm-hmm. Mage. Right, yeah. Yeah, Tony will, unfortunately, be taking a sabbatical to uh, Doisestep. As his in-character reason to not be there anymore. So, uh, um, how do you feel about adding two new players to the group? I'm absolutely terrified because uh, I know that one of them does not have particularly fond feelings about World of Darkness. It's the flaw system. Yeah. It's literally, so I don't run campaigns for any other reason, and I don't, I don't play tabletop, and I don't run tabletop for any other reason than I want to be a hero. 
this particular player expressed that they don't find the concept of merits and flaws to add anything to the game except an element of realism that they're actively trying to escape. I mean, that that's fair. I mean, yeah. You also don't have to take merits or flaws. Yes, but from a systematic standpoint, if you don't take flaws, then you're down those seven freebie points, and it's you're fucked systematically, or you're fucked systematically and roleplay-wise. It's a handicap that you take either way. I don't find them as handicaps so much as roleplay enhancers. But some people see those things as things that they are not comfortable or interested in roleplaying. I mean, so that, that's fair. That's, that's but, what it came down to for them. But to get down to other things, to, to get back to the original question of what to look forward to... Oh, yeah, I'm, like, so fucking hype for... The Lighthouse. The Light... Well, I was going to say more Officer Brian. More Officer Brian, of I'm, course. I'm really um, excited to annoy the shit out of this poor NPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lighthouse. As long as Tavern will come back, right? You know, you know Ryan was thinking about playing a virtual adept, right? Which means I get to deal with that. Oh, yeah, a lot more. <sighs> So anyway, so the lighthouse is going to play a major role once you guys can find the right lighthouse. Um, oh, we just have to find a lighthouse in New England? How many can there be? A lot. I <laughs> looked that's, it there up. That's the heavy joke. sarcasm there. Oh my god. Um, and eventually... It's like how many beaches can you find in Florida? Seems... The entire fucking state for the most part is a beach. And yeah. finally, the last thing to really look forward to is just how deep down and dark that this rabbit hole goes. I'm very excited, and I, I particularly like the wording on that. Um, is there is there anything else that we haven't covered that you just want to, like, get Spiel excited about. about? Or, like, are there things that you would have changed when you were running that, looking back now, um, are, there, are there things that have come up that you are have been unexpected that you didn't anticipate I mean, ha- writing plot for outside of specifically your par- players throwing you for a loop. Uh, um, what's something that you... I was going to say, on the vein of throwing you for a loop, what was the most improv thing you had to do in the previous sessions that you were like, oh, I really didn't fucking expect them to do this. Oh, I Jesus. need to make up shit for this now. Um. Oh, boy. There's the... Uh, let's see, there was the entire 30-minute how-do-we-get-the-bus-there conversation. How-do-we-get-the-people-out-of-there. Um, that, that was just improv the whole way. Um, Are you talking about when we finally realized that we could hitch a trailer to the bus? Yes, when you guys finally realized you could hitch a trailer to the bus. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I had to improv the most that I was not expecting at all from the whole group was the, um... Izzy and Sigmund go go try and get a burger. I thought that they I thought that they were gonna go with like one of the groups. I thought they were either gonna go with you or they were gonna go meet with the werewolves. Not. We just want a fucking burger. We just want a fucking burger. So I had to just kind of come up with on the spot what the fuck is going to happen. Who are they going to run into? Um, most NPC interactions are really like just not scripted at all. Like. The only one that I have that had anything written down was the two werewolf, the two older werewolves arguing with each other. Everything else is just you guys being there and the NPCs reacting to you. 
Jesus, I'm trying to think of anything else that really threw me for a fucking loop. The entire Roberto Gonzalez thing at the very end of when you guys bring the uh, the, the, the the cult leader to uh, Tony's uh, master. Just did not expect to have to him being the one who that you guys were going to use to interrogate him with. Um, He's going to flesh sculpt his hand to the chair. Yeah, no, if you listen to that episode, your laugh when I tell you that matter would work on a vampire is the most terrifying thing in that episode. <laughs> because it's just like, yeah, but matter would work. Have <laughs> you met Christina? Yeah, yeah, I have. It's a, it's a little, it's a little spooky, if I'm being honest. Are there any, like, plot drops that are gonna get kind of just dropped, or were there any things that you wish you would have done differently? Plot, like, things that are just gonna have to get side, side sidebarred, sidebarred, side sidebarred and changed, or whatever. Get, get put in the fridge. Yeah. Um... Most of Tony's plot is getting put in the fridge, uh, yeah. unfortunately, and obviously. Um, specifically, um, unless, of course, someone plays a Celestial Chorister, the Knight Jean Paulo is going to be much less of a... Uh, John Ralphio. Not John Ralphio, Jean Paulo. Um, is going to be less of a... Uh, Less of a staple because originally he was made as the uh, the guy who watches over Tony because Tony is haunted by fucking demons. Besides that, unless of course that Jake stops coming, um, nothing's really gonna get dropped. I'm really excited to get to the end of the uh, Rory having her vengeance on the vamp on the vampire prince plot. The revengeance. The revengeance. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not really revenge. She will bring a reckoning. It's it's more. Do you try to fuck with me and murdered my partner and crime? So there, there will be a reckoning. <laughs> the, the, um, There's gonna be a uproar. <sighs> <sighs> you married that. I <laughs> did. <laughs> I'm funny. So besides that, um. Nothing that I can really think of that I haven't already hinted at that's going to be a big deal coming up. Alright. Okay, so that was a decent amount of talking to kind of fill the air. Um, I, I don't know about you guys listening, but I'm very excited for this to come back. Uh, it also means that I will be playing again. Yeah, right? Because, you know, my health has finally improved. Mm-hmm. But, um, unless you've got anything else... Um, not that I can think of, but, well, one other thing is, is that there's going to be some twists and turns. I mean, it's a uh, tabletop game. I don't think that you guys have, the villains are not who or what that you think they are. They never are with you. No, they never are. I'm half expecting it to be Madame Wolf is a bad guy all along. I'm not telling. I know. Alright then. So... Christina's wandered off, so in that case then, for Paradise Lost Podcasting Channel. I'm Julia. And I'm Brendan. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. You can find us at a Paradise Lost and myself at GM Crow one numerical number one. Send us your questions at... A pair of dice lost at gmail.com. 
Uh, we will answer them if we get some questions on uh, our Let the Good Dice Roll. No, seriously, the story behind the shop in Salem and why Salem is only available upon request. I mean, we have time. You could have told the story. I mean, I could have, but it's more interesting this way. Also, it encourages people to actually write into us if, if they listen. Brendan's falling asleep. Christina has wandered back, and we're going to cut this here. You want to say goodnight, Christina? Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, and just always remember, you got to do money to make money. Bitch.